Good morning, GCC family and all that may be watching us this morning. I want to welcome you to our service. Um, you guys are fully aware of the fact that we're having to increase our wardrobe. And I want to show you guys uh, something that a family in the church uh, gave me uh, a little over a week ago. So let me just kind of do this. You guys see that? Woo, isn't that good looking? Hold on a second. Uh, you like that? Can everybody see that? You can see that? This mask is a Razorback mask. And so I just want you to know that if you would like to have a Razorback mask, I have a couple of extra. And um, I'll be happy to sell them to you. You know, the uh, family that gave me this, I was thinking that, you know, you have in some of these um, hotels, you know, you'll have gold members and all that kind of thing. And I just want you to know this family is now a part of the gold membership. And uh, they're truly a wonderful, wonderful group of people. So thank the Lord for them. Uh, this morning, we want to begin our time together um, with uh, Christy Russell coming up and talking with us about the ladies' ministry. I know that you ladies probably are at home and wanting things to do and to be encouraged during this time. And so I want to invite Christy Russell, who uh, oversees the women's uh, ministry here at Grace, to come for just a few moments and talk about some opportunities that they have uh, coming up. Christy? Hello, everyone. It is exciting to be here and see you, even though I can't see you. Um, but it does thrill my little extroverted heart to be here. I was thinking this week about Hebrews 10, um, starting in verse 22. It says, Let us hold fast to our confession of faith, for we know that he who is promised is faithful. And it goes on to say, And let us consider how to encourage one another on to love and good deeds, not forsaking the gathering. Oops. Okay, in this time where we are having to um, not gather like we would like, um, I want to encourage you to think outside the box of creative ways that you can encourage one another on to love and good deeds. Um, for most of you ladies, a lot of our ministry has transitioned to our Facebook page, um, which is under GCC Light, L-I-G-H-T, spelled out with periods in between because each of those letters stands for something. We've had a Bible study going on on Monday nights about worship. If you missed the first two weeks, you can still jump in and join us. You can catch up. That's the beauty of digital ministry is we have everything archived. All you need is yourself, a pencil. We put the um, uh, scripture passages on the page as well so you could print those out. And Ali has been doing a wonderful job leading that. So I encourage you, if you haven't been a part of that, join us. This week, I'm going to start by having three different Zoom um, drop-in times. I'll post those on the Facebook page as well. I'll email them out on the group email for Donna's Sunday School class. And if you can join, just click on the link. You can download the little app, and we'll see you. Give your camera and microphone access so we can see and hear you. And we'll have uh, coffee one morning. We'll eat lunch together another day, and then maybe we'll wrap up one day together with just some prayer time. But drop in and get to see each other and fellowship in this time. We've had a virtual craft night um, which has been a lot of fun. I just want to encourage you ladies, as we look forward to being able to gather together again, let's be prayerful for the leadership here, that they would have wisdom, um, as after, hopefully, in May sometime we can start transitioning as a state and as a country, 
back into some more um, activities with other people. But we need to have wisdom, and our church leadership will let us know when we can resume activities and what that will look like for us. So let's be um, prayerful for them and respectful of that. And I will just say I can't wait to give all of y'all a big hug when they finally tell me I can. But I love you, and I'm praying for you. And if you have any prayer needs, my contact, contact information is in the directory. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. You can find me. But I would love to pray with you and for you. You are not alone, even though it may feel like it right now. But please know that the leadership team of the women's ministry has been lifting you up. And um, I look forward to being back together with you again physically real soon. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Christine. We certainly appreciate all she does uh, in the ministry here at GCC with the ladies and the team that she referred to, all of them getting together and uh, being able to set up things that you can enjoy as a fellowship. I wanted to begin our time this morning uh, reading from the book of Philippians. It's a book of joy, and uh, I want us to be reminded as we read through this book the next few weeks that there's a lot to rejoice about. And um, if nothing else, we rejoice in Jesus Christ and, and what he's done for us. And, and in uncertain times, what better attention that we should have as to look at God's Word and, and see what He tells us about this issue of joy. So uh, take your Bibles and go to Philippians chapter 1, and if you'll stand uh, as we read um, together the first 11 verses. The Apostle Paul writes and says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, well, I mean, Paul's expressing that. You know, he longs for them. Uh, we're longing for one another, right? Longing to be in the presence of those that we have uh, like minds with. Verse 9, In this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's uh, bow together and let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you this morning for the privilege of being able to worship. Even though, Lord, it, it looks a little bit different now, um, because, because we're not all able to be in the same room. Um, Lord, you tell us where two or more are gathered together, you're in their presence. And Lord, so we, we know that 
there are multiple people right now that are engaged um, in this service. And I just want to thank you for every individual that is um, gathered this morning in their homes. Lord, I just want to pray that you would encourage them, first of all, that you would encourage them this morning through song and through the word. And Lord, that um, there would be great rejoicing going on in the household of God today. And even though we have restrictions, Lord, that your name will be lifted high. Um, that this service will not be about anyone but you. Lord, thank you for the great joy that we have if we know you as our Savior. That sustains us in times like this. Lord, we want to pray for our, our country. We pray for our leadership, for the president and the vice president, for the task force, for, for uh, Congress. Lord, Lord, we just pray that, that you would work in their hearts and in their minds. We pray for our president and our vice president that they would be led by you. And Lord, I just want to pray for our, our, our governing authorities here in the state of Alabama that you would give them great wisdom in the days of he- <clears throat> excuse me ahead as they make decisions, um, decisions that impact all of us. And so we just pray for great wisdom for them. And Lord, I want to pray for our nurses and doctors and first responders and all those who are um, going the extra mile for those stores that are open with employees. And I just pray for their protection God, we just um, lift this time up to you uh, this morning. And we just want to say, Lord, we know that nothing that's going on surprises you at all. Lord, there's coming a day when you're going to come back for your church. We long for that day. I pray that's true. And until that time, I pray that we would be faithful to you. And not only sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, but giving attention to our own lives that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that I pray all of these things. Amen. It began with darkness. Pitch black. Formless and empty. Into this darkness, God created light. Created entire galaxies, countless wonders beyond imagination. And to behold his glory, he breathed life into his children. He loved them with a passion burning brighter than the sun. And for a time, he made his dwelling with them in a beautiful, perfect world. But then, this love was torn apart, fractured by a crushing abyss so wide that it could never be crossed. An immense chasm created by our sin, our pride, our disobedience, And so, the darkness returned, and with it came death, wars, plagues, and exile. But our Father refused to leave His children in the darkness. 
So once again, he sent his light to dwell on earth. To become Emmanuel, God with us. To teach us, to heal us, and save us from the terrible wages of sin. But where he preached peace, he was met with hostility. Where he preached love, hatred burned against him. Where he preached forgiveness, his enemies cried out for execution. He was arrested, tortured, and sentenced to death as a criminal. With nails in his hands, Jesus bore the unfathomable weight of our sin and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. They assigned him a grave with the wicked and sealed his tomb with a stone. Darkness reigned over the land once more as hope seemed to vanish. But on the third day, his light pierced the shadows. His power shook the earth. The Son of God rose, declaring victory over death and throwing wide the gates of heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. His love still calls to us. His grace still covers us. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Christ. Please join us in worship.
your heart are hungering for the presence of the Lord in your life. You know, when I was much younger, back in the 70s, it was, I was in my early 20s and I was hanging around with youth because I was youth director and beginning in uh, directing choirs and things like that. But there was a song that had these words. When I think of the cross, it moves me now. The nails in his hands his bleeding brow. When I think of the cross, it moves me now. It should have been me. It should have been me. Instead, I am free. I am free. Well, at that time, I knew the Lord, but I didn't really know a whole lot about him. At that time, I guess it was adequate for me to say, he moves me. But through the years, I have learned that the more that I have learned about the Lord, the more I realize that I don't still know a whole lot about him. You know, Moses was that same way. After all that he had seen of the Lord and he had heard from the Lord, which was probably far more than any other man other than Jesus himself, but he made that same claim. At the end of his life, when he found out that he would not go into the promised land, he said, O Lord Jehovah, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy straight hand and strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy mighty acts? So, we attempt to use words that would describe the Lord. We use words, try to come up, we use words like awesome, 
mighty, perfect, powerful. But then when we can't really describe him, we'll just use the word indescribable. But the writer of this next song, he attempted that, and he used words like amazed, awesome, excuse me, marvelous, and wonderful. So that becomes our song, and it's, it's the best that we can do. So let's just do the best we can as we sing about our Savior's love, which is amazing, it's marvelous, and it's wonderful. Please join us as we sing, I Stand Amazed. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene, and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. For me it was in the garden, he prayed not my will but thine. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
and listening around the world, Lord, that you would bless them, that you would challenge them from your word, and that you would continue to give us your grace and mercy in this time of need. We thank thee for all that you have done for us, and we pray now that you'd bless our time together as we listen to our pastor. Lord, share the word that you have given to him. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, thank you, guys. We appreciate you leading us in that time of worship uh, together. Some of my favorite hymns, Our Maker, Defender, Redeemer, and Friend. Ooh, I love that hymn. Um, I'm going to ask you to do something as you're turning to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to ask you to do what may seem impossible uh, for you to do, and that is to put your sandals on and pretend you're Timothy. Pretend you're receiving this letter, because I don't know that we can really um, understand the impact of what must have been going on as Timothy read this, especially in this section. Um, It's a long section, and I want to make sure that you guys have a a good understanding of what Paul is arguing in this section, and what he seeks to bring um, to Timothy is very vital uh, for a believer. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been embarrassed? Have you ever felt ashamed? Um, Think about the embarrassment of a teenager who is having to walk around a store with their parents. Um, You remember those days where you had to walk around with your parents maybe at a store or you just had to be seen in public with your parents and you're like, I really don't want to be seen in public with these guys. Um, That's one type of embarrassment. I think all of us can kind of relate to that. Um, But then there's a little bit more serious, um, more serious subjects to consider uh, when when being embarrassed. Um, One of those might be for you, and maybe this has happened to you, where you have uh, been in a a classroom setting and 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 they're promoting um, not a biblical marriage. Um, but promoting alternatives to biblical marriage. And for you, maybe you've had to stand up for biblical marriage because we know what God has said, right? He's already said and defined what biblical marriage is. So maybe you've been in that setting where you, you've had to stand up or maybe you've, you've been ashamed and not stood up. I mean, right? We can relate to that. Maybe you've, you've had opportunity to stand up for biblical marriage, but, but you just haven't done that. Uh, we don't need to be too hard on each other because all of us have failed in those areas. Um, And I don't want us to be too hard on on Timothy because I don't think Paul's being hard on Timothy. I think Paul's trying to warn Timothy. And you'll see what I'm talking about in a few moments. Um, Maybe it's a a position where you've um, not stood up for the unborn. Um, 
we know that, that the Word of God tells us that, that man is fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and, and there's going to be times and opportunities where, whether we're talking about biblical marriage or standing up for the unborn, um, we need to be willing to do that. Even in the hardest of settings, we need to be willing to do that. Um, the theme in verses 6 through 18 is being ashamed. And I want to um, just highlight three verses because it's kind of progressive. Paul's instruction to Timothy is progressive about this subject. Um, and I think it's very critical that we, like I said, we put on the sandals, Timothy's sandals, and we try to get into, hey, how must he have been uh, thinking and feeling as he received this letter from Paul? Um, there are three verses that highlight this, this word ashamed. And I want you to notice the progression. It's very interesting because it's going to back us up to verses 6 and 7. You're probably thinking at home, hey, Thad, did you skip verse 6 and 7? No, we hadn't skipped it. We're going to get there, but, but it all connects. And, and the theme of this section is being ashamed. And I want you to notice the progression with which Paul writes. In verse 8, he writes from the perspective of instruction. Therefore, which means you have to go back and see what was before, right? That's the key, the key to that. Therefore, and we're going to do that in a few moments, do not be ashamed. So Paul is giving Timothy instruction. We're going to look a, a little bit more at that particular verse in just a moment. Then I want you to notice he goes from instruction to personal testimony. Verse 12. He says, but I am not ashamed. So he goes from instruction to personal testimony. And, and that's very important because if you're going to give instruction to someone about something, you need to be able to share your own testimony of how that's working out in your own life. Otherwise, it just comes across as a big old hammer on top of your head. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, by way of instruction, do not be ashamed. And then he's telling him, his young protege, he's saying, I am not ashamed. And then in verse 16, he gives an example of one who was not ashamed. He says, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed. And he's talking about Onesiphorus, as we've look, we looked at briefly in our introduction. And so you see the progression. He goes from instruction to personal testimony to example. Um, the theme of the section, as I mentioned, is being ashamed. And so I thought, well, we need to understand what that definition, what's the definition of the word ashamed. And so this is what the definition is. It's feeling embarrassment. Now look at the progression of this. Feeling embarrassment to the point that it stops one from doing something. How many examples could you give in your own life where that's happened to you, right? Where you've stopped short. (laughs) Uh, It's a lack of courage to stand up for someone or something. Now, Paul didn't want Timothy to get to that point. I mean, he testifies in verse 12, I am not ashamed. But I want us to understand, before going to verses 6 and 7, what verse 8 is actually saying. Because he is not accusing Timothy of being ashamed. Okay? He's not doing that at all. In fact, Kenneth Wiest writes about this particular exhortation in verse 8, where Paul tells Timothy, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. You ever been ashamed of the Lord? That ever happened in your life? I mean, who's not shaking their head going, yeah, it's happened to me. And Paul says, or me, his prisoner. 
does not mean that Timothy was ashamed. Paul's not accusing Timothy of this. In fact, if that had been the case, you know what he would have done? He would have used present tense. He would have said, stop being ashamed. But that's not what he's saying to him at all. Instead, Paul is simply forbidding the doing of an act not yet begun. Boy, that kind of clears up things, doesn't it? I mean, he's not accusing the man. He's trying to encourage the man, don't get going down that road of being ashamed. That makes a lot of sense. Paul's saying, don't give in to the temptation of being ashamed. I mean, how many of us that are watching today or in this room today could identify with being ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Imagine that. But I'm I'm quite certain it's been a temptation in all of our lives. So the question becomes then, if that's the theme of the section, how then, how does Paul address Timothy in dealing with the issue? What did Timothy need to do to avoid the potential problem of being ashamed? You know what's so awesome, guys? Um, The same prescriptions that he gives to Timothy will work for you and me. (laughs) We don't have to go outside the text. And and what's so awesome is, is what he tells him to do. He gives him three prescriptions. Um, to avoid the potential problem. When I had my heart surgery back in December, um, I was on two medications, two prescriptions at the time. Do you know that I had many more after the surgery? And I'm back down to mm, about three or four that, that I take now. So I can't just choose one to take. I have to take all of them. And so in this list of prescriptions that Paul gives to Timothy, we can't just pick the one that's the easiest. Oh, I like that one. But these other two, you're really not going to like next week's, by the way. But, I mean, the first prescription I think we'll all be able to identify with, you know, in handling the potential problem of being ashamed of the Lord. The first prescription takes us back to verses 6 and 7. The first prescription is stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. This is a really awesome one. You're going to lie. I'm just warning you right now. You're going to like this one better than next week. <laughs> so, uh, but don't ta- that doesn't mean you can't watch next week. Paul tells him, he says, stir up the gift. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. He says, for this reason. So you have to say, for what reason? What reason are you talking about? The reason that you have a genuine faith. Because you have a genuine faith. So anytime you see the word for, you need to think in terms of because. Because you have a genuine faith, I remind you, and I know you guys can't see that in in your text, but do you know that's present tense? And what Paul's saying is, I continually remind you. That's a good thing, because how many of us can identify with needing to be reminded all the time, all the time, all the time, about something? And that's that's what Paul's saying to Timothy. For this reason, I remind you continually to kindle afresh. I mean, who uses that kind of language? What in the world is he talking about? To kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So the first prescription that he gives him, listen, Timothy, if you want to avoid this issue of being ashamed, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Um, The word picture here of of the phrase kindle afresh is of stoking the fire. Stoking the fire. John Wesley said, the verb literally means to blow up the coals into a flame. 
Keep the fire going. That's the idea. Keep the fire going. Specifically, in context, Paul is saying keep the gift alive. Keep it alive. Now, the immediate question when you're reading that is you're like, what's his gift? I mean, kindle afresh the gift, right? Well, what's the gift that Paul, that Timothy had? Um, well, the scriptures don't tell us at this point. I don't think that's important in reading this. That doesn't mean his spiritual gift was important, but Paul's not talking about specifically Timothy's gift. He's just saying, keep it going. Why? Because Timothy knew what the gift was. Uh, I believe if you read First and Second Timothy, you probably have three choices. The gift of pastor-teacher. Obviously, he pastored and shepherded the church at Ephesus. He was a teacher. Many times you're going to find that Paul encouraging him to teach. It could have been that he just had the gift of teaching. But I believe it, it fits under one big heading. I believe that you could argue that Timothy had the gift of leadership. And in, in the book of Romans... Um, when Paul talks about the gift of leadership, he talks about being diligent to be a leader. Ugh. Hey, listen, being a leader is not easy. You know? Sometimes it's very difficult to be a leader because sometimes you have to step out there and stand for something when you know everyone else is going to say, ah, what is he doing? So, it could be that Timothy had the gift of leadership. Certainly he had the gift of teaching. I believe you could easily argue that. And pastor-teacher. But if you wanted to put a big heading there, I think you could put it under the heading then of, of leadership. Um, there are three observations about uh, the gift. I want you to see it in verse 6. Three observations. Notice what it says. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. There are three things about the gift. Number one is supernatural. Thus he says it's of, from God. It's supernatural. The gift or gifts that you have, don't, listen, make sure you understand this. They come from God, not man. That's very important, especially in the context of what's being said here. The gifts that we have come from God. You're going to see that when we get to the applicational part this morning. So not only is the gift supernatural, but notice he says, it is in you. Whoa. When we think about spiritual gifts, and this is true, we think about what we see manifested. But did you know that the gift, he says here, the gift is not only from God, but notice what he says, verse 6. He says, which is in you. And, you know, you hear people sometimes saying, I just can't. I just can't. Well, good. You, that's, the first, that's the first thing you need to understand. You just can't. And, and Paul addresses this issue. It is the Lord working through you, right, to using that gift. And, and I've had people in conversations over the years who've been really frustrated because they don't know their gift. I, mean, I can't tell you countless conversations I've had with people. Well, I, can't, I don't know what your gift is. I can tell you these are the things that I see. But if you're a believer in Christ, it's clear. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that every one of us has a gift that belongs to the Lord. And here's, here's the issue. When we're not using that gift, it impacts the body. So 
if, you, if you're watching this morning or you're sitting here and you're like, hey, I don't know what my gift is. You know what you need to do? I'll tell you the first thing you need to do is go through the passages of Scripture that speak about spiritual gifts and read those passages. Read and pray. Pray over that. Because if you're a believer, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Right? He can show you. Um, I took a spiritual gifts test years ago. And um, I took it, I think I've taken it about three times. Now, I think those things are helpful. I don't know that they always peg the gift, but they're helpful. And, and every time it's been the same for me. Um, but I have to know as a believer that the, the gifts that I have come from God. And that they're in me. And what people see is a manifestation of those gifts. Um, it's wonderful, isn't it, when we recognize a person who has the gift of encouragement. Whew, who doesn't enjoy that, especially in the days we're living in, right? You love those kind of people. That, that's, it's just on their mind. And you know, the, the gift of encouragement is a picture of a person walking beside you. It's not necessarily verbalizing something. The picture is of somebody walking beside you, going through life with you, Right? Willing to hear the hard things. Who doesn't need that kind of person? So it's nice when we, we're able to recognize those gifts, which leads to the third issue here. Not only was the, the, the gift that Timothy had from God, and it was in him, but it was recognizable. It was recognizable. And if you go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, we don't have time to do that this morning, but you could do that this afternoon after you eat your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You can read through 1 Timothy chapter 4, and you can see in that particular passage, Paul talks about not only that he recognizes Timothy's gift, which is here in this passage, but in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the elders recognized, and they laid hands on Timothy. I won't share with you um, all of this because of time, but one of the most special moments in my life as a believer, was my ordination service. I had a pinstripe suit on. Can you imagine that? That's hard to imagine wearing that. A pinstripe suit. I was, I was standing behind a lectern, and um, Jim Pence, who was my youth pastor, had just finished um, speaking. And do you know, he, I'll tell you this part. I was sitting like right in front, and he said, this message tonight is for Thad. And the whole time he's looking at me, I don't, I don't think he ever looked at the congregation. But I remember when I came up on the stage and those men laid their hands on me. Wow. I was just like, I was bawling like a little kid. But it was because of the joy that I had and knowing that it wasn't just something that, that I recognized that God had given me a gift or gifts, but it was recognized by others. And so, in Timothy's life, it was recognized by the elders, but it was also recognized by Paul. And he says, through the laying on of my hands. And so, when you think about spiritual gifts, we, we need to think in terms of the spiritual gift comes from God, it's in us, and it's recognized. It's recognized. I've had people that have asked me, and they say, hey, Thad, what do you think my gift is? And I'll tell them. Now, I can be wrong, but... It's nice to be able to have that conversation. And I want to tell you, that's an uncomfortable conversation for some people. Because they view it as, well, that's, that's just something the leaders have. 
No, 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 no. You know what's so awesome is that spiritual gifts, every believer has one at least. <laughs> um, so what's Paul telling Timothy? Hey, he's telling him, kindle afresh, stoke the fire, keep it going. And then he tells him in verse 7 how that looks. In other words, as he's exercising the gift, Paul reminds him of some things. Notice verse 7. For because, all right, because God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. So he's saying, look, kindle afresh, stoke the fire, because God has not given us a spirit of timidity. So he begins this section. I didn't know I had that up there. He begins this section by telling Timothy what God has not given. Okay? Notice he says, God has not given us a spirit of timidity. Um, the word timidity means to be fearful. It means to lack boldness or courage. Um, it's very important that one who is in the ministry understand that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Uh, you think about what's going on in the context of this passage and, and what's taking place in the life of Paul and how much he needed Timothy to continue going down the course, the right course. And so he's telling him, look, in handling this issue, potential issue of being ashamed, understand that you need to keep that gift going and understand that God has not given us a spirit of timidity. We've not been given that. And he's about to tell us what we've been given. And part of what we've been given is courage or boldness. Uh, I want you to listen to this story. Moody Press put it out years ago of a young girl, and she was praying for courage or for strength. Listen, listen to the story. During the Boxer rebel Rebellion of 1899 to 1900, extreme nationalist, Chinese nationalists stirred up a campaign of terror against officials of foreign governments, Christian missionaries, and even Chinese missionaries. After surrounding a certain mission station, they sealed all exits, exits except for one. They placed a cross in the dirt in front of the open gate and told the missionaries and students that anyone who walked out and trampled the cross would be spared. According to reports, the first seven students who departed out of the building trampled the cross and were sent on their way. The eighth student, a young girl, approached the cross, knelt down, prayed for strength, carefully walked around the cross, and immediately she was shot. He said, what happened after that? What's the rest of that story? Listen to this. The remaining 92, so seven, stepped on the cross. The one girl prayed, went around the cross, and her courage, her strength that she prayed for impacted 92 others. 
the remaining 92 students, strengthened by her example, walked around the cross to their deaths. That's an amazing story. God has not given us a spirit of fear. I mean, what a great example from this young girl, this young believer. And so Paul reminds Timothy, hey, in using your gift, God's not given you a spirit of fear. Notice what he has given you, Timothy. He reminds him. This is what's given to us by God. Notice verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and discipline. Power and love and discipline. It's very important to see that what God has not given, he hadn't given us a spirit of fear, but what he has given. So Paul's telling Timothy, this is what he's saying, look, Timothy, keep that gift going, and as, it, as you keep that gift going, recognize God, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit, God has given us, a spirit of power and love and discipline. So stir up the gift. The word power here, and remember, all this is given to us by God. The word power here means the ability given by God to stand strong in the midst of criticism or persecution. It's the ability given by God to face danger. We just read about a girl who said, hey, I'm praying for strength. And the Lord gave her strength. And, and we're thinking, as we're reading that story, going, yeah, but the result of that was she was martyred. Doing things God's way does not always turn out the way we might think it should. This young girl was willing to stand up. I like what Hudson Taylor says about this. The great missionary Hudson Taylor said, All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his being with them. Let me read that again. The great missionary Hudson Taylor said, All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his being with them. This is what happens to us. We, this is just natural, so don't take this as criticism because we all do it. We put people here, up who we think are like, wow, that person has this gift and that gift and this gift and that, and it's like, whoa, I can't be like that person. I mean, look at the lives of the disciples. Have you ever studied their lives? These aren't the top 12 guys you and I would choose. But you know who chose them? The Lord did. And even Judas. God chose him for a purpose to accomplish what he wanted. Now, from this side of it, we go, man, Lord, that didn't make any sense. But it makes all the sense in the world to God. And that has to be good enough for us. <laughs> um, I think it's one of my favorite um, passages in, in the Bible because it illustrates um, this issue of, of, being, of being strong. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can go back with me to 1 Samuel. But I just want to read these verses. You don't have to turn there. Um, but when you run across a courageous person, 
I mean, I remember the first time, first few times I heard this story as a boy. I'm like, wow, this, this is a pretty incredible story. But we, we're careful. Now, this is important. We're careful not to give the credit to David. Okay? We have to be careful about that. We can't say, wow, David, wow, David. No, it's wow, the Lord, because that's exactly what David did. He was like, wow, the Lord. Right? I mean, we have a tendency in our culture to say, wow, the man. I think we just need to get that right. It's wow, the Lord. Because the Lord does amazing things through people who understand who he is and who submit to him. And this is in the context of David and Goliath. Listen to what's said. I'm just going to read just different portions of this. When the Philistines come up against the armies of Israel, and, and there's this great man named Goliath, this huge dude. Now listen to this. It says, Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should taunt the armies of the living God. <laughs> I mean, right? He's this young man's like, who's this dude? Then you skip down to verse 37 of chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. And it says that David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Now notice this. David's not talking about what he's going to do. He's talking about what the Lord was going to do through him. <laughs> I, I love that. And then you go skip down further to verse 45 and listen to this. It says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. I want you to notice in this language how much attention David is giving to the Lord. So that when we think about the spiritual gifts, we don't need to be thinking in terms of what we're doing, but we need to be thinking in terms of what God is going to do, right? This day, he says, the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to have been in the crowd for that? And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth, now look at this, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is who? The battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. Guys, listen. I, you have to love that statement. The battle is the Lord's. Right? That, that helps us rest. Right? In times like this, the battle is the Lord's. It's His. Just like the gift we have, it's the Lord's. It comes from Him. And so as we use it, we have to be cognizant of the issues that Paul tells Timothy. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power. And then not only power... But, he says, love. God has given us a spirit of love. This word describes the God-given ability to love others sacrificially and unconditionally. Boy, this is one. We could talk about this one all day long. I want you to notice a trait of this particular word. This love is not based on our feelings towards someone. 
I mean, if it was, man, would we ever demonstrate love? (laughs) This word describes the ability to love others sacrificially and unconditionally. I mean, it's where I start in marriage counseling when I'm talking to the husband. You know, the husband in, in Ephesians 5 is to be the leader who loves. Well, that word's agape, and, and the idea of the word is unconditional and sacrificial love. That's easy, right, men? No, it's difficult to do. It's not something we can do in our own strength. But it is something that the Spirit of God can do through us. Um... This is loving others. Now listen to this. This is loving others with nothing expected in return. Uh Uh-oh, I've been doing my marriage all wrong. See, I mean, this is a huge issue. This agape love is critical within the body of Christ. As our gifts are being used, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, he says. I think one of the greatest expressions of this kind of love is, is given to us in Philemon. Um, Given to us in Philemon. Listen to this. Paul the Apostle is writing to Philemon. And he's writing on behalf of a runaway slave named Onesimus. Listen to what he says. This is, guys, this is agape love in action. When writing on behalf of Onesimus, the runaway slave, Paul says to Philemon... If he, meaning Onesimus, has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Now, my friends, that's love in action. Paul is speaking the language of the Lord here. Charge it to my account. And so... In expressing his spiritual gift, Timothy needed to remember that's to be done in in power and in love. But not only power and love, but notice he says thirdly, because God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. The word discipline means to have a sound mind. It also has the meaning of self-controlled. It is the God, listen, this is really important. It's the God-given ability to focus, to focus when everything around us is coming unglued. Now, is that important for a leader? (laughs) Absolutely important for a leader. When everything around you is coming unglued, a leader doesn't need to be sitting and panicking. I mean, listen, when Paul, when Timothy receives this letter from Paul, I mean, one of the responses could be, "Uh uh-oh. Because what does he write in, in chapter 4? The time of my departure is what? It's at hand. And so he doesn't want Timothy shivering in his sandals. He wants him standing strong in his gift that God has given him. Utilizing that gift so that he doesn't run up against the temptation of being ashamed. So it's the God-given ability to focus when everything else is coming unglued. I could give you just a few examples over the last 30 years, but I will spare you. Let me give you two, though, that are right here in the context of Second Timothy. Hey, listen, has Paul's world been interrupted? Answer, yeah. Remember, he's hanging out in a dark, cold dungeon... 
He's cold. We know that because he asked that he would, his cloak would be brought to him. So could he have let the situation dictate what he did? Absolutely. And oftentimes we can relate to that, right? Where situations kind of dictate or circumstances dictate. And we're like, we don't do what we're supposed to do. We're actually off on the road of maybe disobedience. And easily Paul could have been in this selfish mode, right? I mean, look at what's going on with me. I'm suffering and all this kind of stuff. But that's not where his focus is. Um, Paul has enough focus and wherewithal to write the letter. To pin the words that his young protege needed to hear. So Paul is one example where easily he could have been distracted and lost focus. But Timothy could have lost focus. His mentor was in his last days and and he's handing the baton to him. And, And can you imagine if you're Timothy going, whoa. Coming to the realization that, wow, I mean, Paul's not around much longer. Being able to focus, guys, for us, well, listen, that's Paul and Timothy. But for us, this is so appropriate for what we're going through right now. We need the ability, and, it, and we, we have it because the Spirit of God lives in us. We have the ability to focus on serving the Lord. I want you to listen to this. When the world around us is coming unglued. It's coming unglued. And isn't it coming unglued? Absolutely it's coming unglued. I was sharing with the group that was here to pray. I saw yesterday an interview with this lady on a network. And she was outside of her mind. I mean, she, she just was outside of her mind. She has no hope. You can tell. It didn't take but a couple of seconds to figure out all that this lady had was what she has here. And that's being stripped away from her. And, and she just doesn't have any hope. And, and she's lost whatever focus, whatever her focus was, she's lost it. And she's just grasping, hoping for something. But at the end of that, there's nothing. Now for us, hey guys, this is where it's different. Even though all these circumstances are going on, right? When we reach out to grasp, we have someone. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need to forget that. So, Paul's first prescription for dealing with the potential issue of being ashamed is, Timothy, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Right? Stir it up, Timothy, and remember, as you're exercising this gift, that God has not given you, Timothy, a spirit of fear. Right? And some people look at that and they go, well, I guess that means Timothy was fearful. Well, I think we might be getting that wrong. I remember last week we talked about Thomas. Um, does it mean that Timothy didn't have some fear and timidity? Well, he might have. But I want you to notice something in verse... Seven, for God has not given who? Us. Look at that pronoun. Paul's putting himself right there with him. Now, did he do that to cushion the blow? I don't know. It doesn't seem to me that Timothy, that there's any evidence right here that Timothy had that issue. Some might point to say, well, yeah, but he had stomach issues because Paul told Timothy, 
hey, take a little wine for, for your stomach, right? Well, but that's all we have right here. Do I think he was like Paul? In more ways than probably we think. Because Paul gave him some pretty big responsibilities if you study the life of Timothy. One of those being the church at Ephesus, which would not have been easy. So, Paul says, look, kindle afresh the gift. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. So, the first prescription for all of us today, right? If we have the propensity of being ashamed, we need to stir up the gift. Guys, stir up the gift. Stoke that fire. Um, Let me give you some take-home things. These are really good, I think, for all of us to consider. First take-home is we must exercise the gift or gifts God has given to us. We must exercise them. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says, We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Have you ever... um, I know this is going to be kind of strange because we think in terms when we see somebody, we see how they're dressed or we kind of think about their personality but the next time you approach somebody in the body of Christ whenever you ever get out um, think about that person in terms of the gift they have that'd be kind of weird to do huh? but think about how God is using that person in the body Uh, that's very important to our thinking because there has been for years this thinking about spiritual gifts that I think is, is really troubling. And that is that only a few have them in the church. And that's mainly reserved for leadership. Please, please, please. We need to remove that mentality. That's not God's mind. All of us who belong to the Lord have gifts. And we need to exercise those gifts. And when we do not exercise those gifts, it impacts the body. Notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians about the gifts. For the body is not one member. Here he's talking about the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not one member, but many. There are some right here, even in my presence today. Members of the body of Christ. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body. Excuse me. Because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, is it not for this reason any the less a part of the body? And we have to understand the context of 1 Corinthians. These guys were not doing so well in this area. And there was a a tendency to focus on those um, outward gifts, those showy gifts, of putting on pedestal those people who had the gift of tongues and such. And Paul's saying, hey, hold on a second. Um, Everybody has their place in the body, and we need the body to use their gifts. Notice he says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? And, And you just have to love this verse, right? Let me advance the slide. But now God has placed the members... Each one of them. Who's done it? God's done it. God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. 
That's good stuff. That means that the gift or gifts that you have have been given to you by God. And he, it's literally like this. He's placed you in that and you need to function in that. Please, please, please don't walk away today going, well, I just, I just, I'm not going to deal with that. No, 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 no. Stop, please stop. Call me, text me, email me. We'll talk about it. We'll go over it. It's so imperative. Because the ones that lose out are the rest of the body. So think about that today as you're eating that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. All right, number two, second take home is we must recognize that God has chosen and used some interesting, I put interesting, right? Interesting people to accomplish his purposes. Let's just say people maybe that we wouldn't have selected. I had a list here. God chose a shepherd boy to defeat a giant. We just read about that today. God chose a lady named Phoebe. I know you know who she is, right? Find her this afternoon. I promise you she's in the book. He, he, he placed this lady in the body to minister to the church at Rome. You're like, whoa, that, the church at Rome? You mean that letter that Paul wrote? Those people? Yep. She was a key figure in the church at Rome. And how often have you ever heard sermons about Phoebe? We know this. She was a servant of the Lord. Likely had the gift of service. (laughs) But... You're like, well, hold on a second. That's the church at Rome. Who, who was important of the church at Rome? And you're, and you're making a list, and you're going, Phoebe? I think the Lord reminds us through people like this and through, like, the list in Colossians at the end, end of uh, the book. Listen, it's not about who that person is, right? This is so-and-so and so-and-so. This is Paul, and this is Luke, and this is Timothy, and that's Peter. It's Phoebe. It's Onesiphorus. I mean, who talks about Onesiphorus? When's the last time you heard a sermon on Onesiphorus? It's the, I put, 12 misfits that the Lord chose to accomplish his purposes. And I mentioned earlier, even Judas. You make your list. You make your list of people in the Bible that God used that you're like, whoa, this is incredible how he used them. I like what Oswald Chambers says about this. This is You're going to like this quote. Oswald Chambers, one of my favorites, he wrote this, God can achieve his purpose either through the absence of human power and resources or the abandonment of reliance on them. All through history, God has chosen and used nobodies. <laughs> right? Like myself, maybe even you. God has used nobodies because they're unusual. Look at this, and here's the characteristic of these nobodies. Because their unusual dependence on him made possible the unique display of his power and grace. In other words, who's, who's doing the work? The nobody? No, it's the Lord doing it through the nobody. He chose and used nobodies only when they renounced dependence on on their natural abilities and resources. You can read that sentence all afternoon. 
He chose and used nobodies only when they renounced dependence on their natural abilities and resources. Because it's all about God working through his people. That's what it's about. That's what Paul wanted to remind Timothy of. It's all about what God's given you. The third takeaway for us today, and we'll end here. We have been given everything we need for life and godliness. That's really the kind of a, a similar verse to verse 7 of this chapter. We've been given everything needed for life and godliness. Paul says that God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Peter writes in 2 Peter 1, 3, seeing that his, his divine power, his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. We have been equipped by the Lord. He's given us everything that we need. And through his spirit, through the power of his spirit, we can accomplish wonderful things for the glory of the Lord. But that takes a person that's going to submit and that's going to say, hey, look, it's not about me. It's about what the Lord is going to accomplish. And it's amazing that he even wants to use me. Thank you, Lord. So, do you struggle with being ashamed? You ever struggle with that? The first prescription here, if you do, is to stir up the gift of God in you. I mentioned my heart surgery back in December. This week I was cleaning out my top drawer in my, in my dresser. My top drawer is reserved for those things I just throw in there. You have a drawer like that, right? You just chunk it in there. And So I was cleaning out that drawer this week, and I was like, oh, my goodness, the, the things that are in here. I have a gun in that top drawer. I know you're shocked. It's a BB gun. But I have this little pistol, this little BB pistol in there. I can't figure out how to work the thing, but it's in the drawer. So I'm cleaning out the drawer, and I have these bottles of medicine in there, prescriptions. So I'm going through, and I'm not talking about one bottle. I'm talking about several, probably half dozen. And do you know what those prescriptions were mainly for? Cholesterol. And do you know who did not take those prescriptions when he was in his 40s? I mean, these things date back a while. Me. I didn't take the prescription. I didn't take it serious, what was going on in my life. I can guarantee you this. Paul wanted Timothy to take it serious. He wanted him to take this prescription. This is the first prescription, Timothy, in order that you would not be ashamed of the Lord or of me. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word. and Lord, I just thank you that you just make things clear for us. Um, I think if we're honest, we've been in the sandals of, of Paul and Timothy. We've been in the position of, of receiving instruction that's difficult. I think this is somewhat difficult, probably was for Timothy to read. But I also believe that Timothy knew the mind of Paul, the heart of Paul, that he wanted to lead him um, in a godly manner. And so he gives him some things that he needs to think through. 
and that he needed to apply in order that he, he wouldn't be ashamed of the Lord Jesus. I had somebody tell me just this last week that the number one seller now in the United States is the Bible. And people are looking and searching. And Lord, I pray that you would put on our hearts and on our minds um, just the uh, thought of being available so that if, if someone asks us about, hey, what, what's this saying? That we're not ashamed, but that we're standing on, on your truth and that we're sharing in love with, with those that don't know you about the good news of the gospel. And I just pray that you would just put it on our hearts and on our minds to be always readily available. And Lord, I pray you would put it on our hearts and on our minds today to think through this first prescription are we keeping the fire alive? Are we keeping the gift alive that you have given to us? Or do we have it shoved over in a corner somewhere or in a closet or in a drawer? I pray, Lord, that we would kindle afresh the gift of God that is in us knowing, Lord, that you can use us for your honor and for your glory. Help us, Lord, not to walk away from this instruction, but help us to grasp and hold on to it that we might honor and glorify you with the gift or gifts that you've given us. In the name of Christ, I pray all of these things. Amen.
team we'll call them praise team as well all right we appreciate these guys and their leadership uh, today and leading us and worship uh, of our lord and uh, we want to close our time together and so i'm going to ask that at home you would stand up right and that we would uh, close our time in prayer and give honor and glory to him lord we just want to thank you so much for our time together today lord we're adjusting to this um this new normal, it seems, and it's difficult because I'd love to see everybody here this morning. Um, I just love to be able to see them, and uh, I sure miss them. I'm thankful for them, and Lord, I just pray that you would um, encourage them this week, and that we would um, that we would today and this week think about Lord the importance of not being ashamed that we need to think about the importance of using our gift, just as Paul encouraged Timothy to keep that fire going, keep that gift alive, that we would think about, truly think about, not just give lip service to it, but that we would truly think about the gift or gifts that we've been given and ask ourselves the question, are we using them? And if we're using them, are we using them for your glory? Um, we just... Um, Thank you so much that we're able to, to be together, even though it's an unusual way. I'm thankful that we can be together. I pray we encourage one another this week as we have time. And Lord, that most of all, we would be thankful if we belong to you, that we'd be thankful for the great salvation that we enjoy and that we would live anticipating the return of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ.
And it's in his name we pray all these things. Amen.